Earlier, that survey that I looked up, uh, people answered the most important things in life. One of them, there were 10 answers. The 10 most important things in life. Here they are. I want to experiment confidence, stability, and passion. I don't know they'd make your top 10, but that's what theirs were. And then the other list was the top five. Health, family, friends, and in fourth place, love. Well, the most important thing in life, I believe, is love. Hundreds of books have been written about it, a lot of articles, a lot of poems, and a lot of songs. Um, a fellow by the name of Jean, Dean Jackson sang in 1961, Love Makes the World Go Round. In a 1994 book called Guess How Much I Love You, the father Hare said to his son, I love you to the moon and back. And then in 1967, the Beatles sang, All You Need Is Love, right. Love's the most important thing in life. The Bible's a book about love. The Bible talks about God's love for us and our response to God's love. Uh, in, in fact, in 965 verses of the Bible, one form of the word love is used 759 times. Now, I did not go back and read all of those to research this message. I'll, I'll take the word of my concordance on that. Uh, in just a couple of weeks, we're going to have our first of our fellowship groups. And I've talked about it that before. We're going to do it in Sunday school. We're, everybody's going to come in at Sunday school time. We're going to divide in, in several different groups. I don't know how many groups we're going to have. Audie and I haven't discussed that yet. And we're going to discuss some questions, but the purpose is twofold. There are people that you don't know yet in this congregation. We want you to get to know them. We want to get you to share the love of Christ with each other as you learn to fellowship with people. And then we want you to take that love outside the building. Because we want to reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our ultimate goal, to reach people. Uh, one of my favorite, and, and that's just, just part of love that we're going to learn about. Anyway, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is John 15. How many of you have heard me say that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible before? And it wasn't John 15? Well, because I like a lot of them. But anyway, John 15, in, uh, beginning with verse 9, Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. This is my command. Love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. Well, Jesus said we're loved by God and we're to remain in His love. And then he said he's going to lay down his life for us because he loves us as well. And we're to love others like he loves us. A lot of good stuff in there. Well, our text this morning comes from Matthew chapter 22. So you might go ahead and turn there. Um, Matthew 22 begins with a parable. It's, it's a, a parable of a wedding banquet. And Jesus concluded the, the, the parable with these words, for many are invited, but fewer chosen. I encourage you to go back and read that parable a little bit later. It's a lot of good stuff in it. Well, after Jesus told the parable, the Pharisees and the Sadducees both tried to get Jesus uh, to trap him by, by saying some things they believed that would turn the crowds against Jesus. But every time Jesus responded, it says, the crowds were astonished by his teaching. That's in verse 33 of chapter 22. Well, the Pharisees weren't going to let it go. They're going to try again to trap him. And so when they asked him about the greatest commandment in the Bible, Jesus responded, beginning with verse 37, 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Then Jesus added, beginning with the 39th verse, the second's like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. In other words, Jesus said, this is a summary of the teachings of the, Old, of the Old Testament. Love God and love people. But we'll get that back to that in just a minute. There's another word that stood out to me as I was reading through this text. It's the word command. And some of, them, some of your text has the word commandment. Some may be thinking, well, if we're Christians and we live in an age of grace, are the commands or the commandments still binding, binding on us as Christians? Well, as you read through the Old Testament, you saw that the Jews believed that they were justified or made right with God by keeping the commandments. Now, we've been reading, uh, studying through Romans on Wednesday night, and Pastor Brad's been leading us, and, and one of the things we see in, in Romans 9, which is a chapter we looked at a week or two ago, uh, it said that the Jews were still following the commands, but they failed miserably because nobody, no one can keep all the commands. Nobody can keep the law. But as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we understand that our salvation comes by faith based upon what Jesus did on the cross for us. It's a gift of God. Still, Jesus said, don't assume that I came to destroy the law and the prophets. I didn't come to destroy, but to fulfill it. So then, the greatest commandment, and that's what this passage is called that we've just read, the greatest commandment to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength uh, is still binding as a commandment, but not to be saved, but because we are saved. Still, as children of God, loving uh, as children of God, loving God should come naturally. We should love God because He first loved us. One of the first Bible verses most of us memorized was John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, and because God loves us, we love Him. It's like loving your parents. Nobody ever commanded you to love your mom and dad. But you learned love by learning to love them back. Just as God loves us with his whole being, we're to love him back with all that we are. Rick Warren said in, in The Purpose Driven Life, loving God back is the essence of worship. We're to love God back. And so Jesus said, here is the law and the prophets. Here's the Old Testament in a nutshell. Love God, love people. And so that's what we're going to look at today. Loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. What does that mean? Well, the Jews would have known when Jesus quoted that, that the text came from Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 6. And as you turn to Deuteronomy 6, you, you might want to do that. You don't have to do it. But in Deuteronomy 6... It talks about loving God being the most important thing in life. And the first verse of Deuteronomy 6 is what's called the Shema. The Shema means to hear or to listen. And it's the confession of faith of, of Israel. And it's based upon the first commandment that you have no other gods before me. So the Shema begins, verse 4. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, is one. That means He is the Lord. That means He is God. And there is no other. That's the Shema. That's the confession of faith of Israel. Hear, O Lord, the Lord our God is one. The Lord is one. And then it's followed. Oh, well, excuse me. Uh, the Shema was repeated twice a day, usually in the morning and in the night. And when they say it, they would say it, The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They'd say it twice. And then... 
they would pause and continue with the rest of that passage. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's called in Hebrew the Vahavta. That's the command to love. And the greatest commandment is based upon that verse, Deuteronomy 6.5. Then it gives an idea on how they were to live that out. And so listen to this because this is a good word for us. Verse 7, verse 6 begins, These words I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So acknowledging that there's only one true God should result in us loving God with all we are. And to foster this great love on our part towards God, the Jews were commanded to keep these words ever before their family. They were to meditate on them or think about the words of loving God. They were to discuss them in their homes and whenever they went out or whenever they came in and as they were traveling, they were to talk about these words. They were to post them around their house. Any of y'all have words written on the walls in your house? We do, a couple of places. Sometimes they're, they're in, in, in uh, picture frames. Uh, we post them. Uh, we have one in our bedroom up above. Up above, we have one you come in is about worship. Um, that's kind of what it is. It's to remind us about God's Word and what the words mean. And so here's what God said to Israel. And here's a good word for you and I. We need to keep this word ever before us. If we're going to love God the way we're supposed to love God, we need to keep this word before us. We not only need to read it, which we need to read it every day, we not only need to read it, we need to stop and think about it. What does it mean? What does it mean to love God? We need to meditate on it. What does it mean to, to, to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? Well, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but, but how do I apply that? How do I live that out? Who do I talk with this about? Because the idea is to keep it before them so they wouldn't forget. And then as you read through the book of Deuteronomy, God doesn't just say this once. He says it several times. In fact, listen to these words in Deuteronomy 11. Carefully obey my commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God and worship Him with all your heart and your soul. And then skip down a few verses to verse 18 in Deuteronomy 11. Imprint these words of mine on your hearts and minds. How do you imprint them on your heart? Well, you spend time in it. You go over it and over and over and over. How many of you have memorized your social security number? How many of you have memorized the date of somebody important in your life besides you? How many of you have memorized what STOP means? How'd you do that? Well, I, I, I tell you what, not many of us have photographic memories. We spent time on it. We meditated on it. Just like God says, we've imprinted these words on our heart. Bind them as a sign on your hands. Let them be a symbol on your foreheads. Now, he wasn't talking about that literally, although the Jews do it literally. Teach them to your children. Talking about them when you sit in your houses, when you walk along the road. You see, God says it again. Write them down on the doorposts of your house. Proverbs 3.3 3 says, Never let devotion or following or faithfulness leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. That's one reason to read the Bible. So we can be reminded about what all God's done for us. As you read through the Old Testament, as you read through some of the, the, the testimonies in, in the New Testament, what do they talk about? The works of God, the acts of God. 
when you think about what God's done, it causes us to love him. And that's what he's talking about. I'm going to make an outrageous, uh, a, a, a terrible comparison, but maybe you get an idea. How many of you have a hero? I, I don't mean Jesus. I mean somebody that, that you know, one of my, I'll be, may, admit this. One of my heroes is Kareem Benzema. Anybody know who that is? Yeah. Kareem Benzema is the striker for Real Madrid soccer team. He scored more, more goals this year than anybody else in La Liga. Does that make any difference to anybody? Probably not. But you see, I've learned a lot about him because I, I read stories about Real Madrid about every day. I look for it on the news, on my news feed because I read the news every morning and I read the sports every morning. And I know these things because I've spent time in it. You want to love God the way you're supposed to love him? The Lord says, get this word in your heart and life. Think about it. Meditate on it. And then you can love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The word heart, uh, the, 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 the word heart for the Hebrews reflects who you are. Proverbs 4.23 says, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Soul means emotion. We think about I don't know what we think about when we think about our soul, but for, for the Hebrew, the soul was the, the closest word to emotion. Remember when Jesus prayed, he said, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. And then strength is the word that means the capacity to love. Now, I know that's not the idea we have, but according to the Theological Dictionary of New Testament words, all human strength must be concentrated on the love of God. This is the teaching of the first commandment, do not have any other gods besides me. And then the word for mind, for Hebrew, we think of that as a thinking capacity, but actually for the, for the Hebrew it meant the, the mental endeavor of strength. If you're going to be strong, you have to think about it. I can do it, I can do it. I, that's, that's the idea. And the Ten Commandments make clear that the love for God and obedience to God are inseparable. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what? Keep my commandments. John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, this is how we can be sure that we have come to know Him, by keeping His commands. The one who says, I've come to know Him without keeping His commands is a liar, and the truth of God is not in him. But whoever keeps His word truly in him, the love of God is perfected. So a person who belongs to the Lord loves Him and obeys Him. Now, Jesus is speaking to a crowd, and, and the crowd is there around him and listening, and they, they would have known that, that when Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, that he was talking about the Shema, as we said, the, the, this, this passage. And in the crowd were the Pharisees. They, Jesus said we're to have the, an attitude just the opposite of the scribes and the Pharisees. They often made a great pretense of love. They often prayed long prayers so they could be seen. But Jesus pointed out they really had no lo inward love for God. They wanted to make sure that they looked good to others, especially when they recited the Shema and, uh, because they want people to think up about them. So anyway, that can happen in our lives, that hypocrisy, that, that just showing when, when we don't, when we don't, meditate on the Word of God, when we don't think about the Word of God, so we apply it. What, what happens? We stop reading God's Word. We stop attending worship, and we stop attending Bible study, and we cut ourselves off from fellowship with God because we stopped loving God. Jesus wrote 
or had John write letters to the churches in, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And one of them, the very first one was to the church at Ephesus. And he talked about all the great things they'd done. But then he said, I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Then he says, remember how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, just notice that. You stopped loving me so you're not doing the works that you did. When we stop loving God, we stop serving God. Anyway, he says, remember where you, from where you've fallen and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, they'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So, so Jesus is speaking to a church. And the word lampstand represented the church. said, I'm going to take away your influence. But I believe he's also talking about us. When we stop loving the Lord, he takes away our influence for Christ. Well, Luke's approach to the greatest commandment, uh, he, he picks up on a little bit different. Somebody came to him, an expert in the law, it says in Luke chapter 10, and said, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so Jesus said, what's written? How do you read it? And the man said, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbors yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. And so the man wanting to justify said, and who is my neighbor? Well, the man ignored the first part, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And went just to the second part. Uh, he, he wanted to make sure he was following the law without inconveniencing himself too much. And so Jesus told the parable that we call the Good Samaritan. And he asked the man who was being a neighbor, not who was his neighbor, but who was being a neighbor. And when the man answered the one that did the good works, he said, go and do the same. So the second greatest command is to love your neighbor as yourself. That also comes from the Old Testament. It was, it's a passage in Leviticus chapter 19. It says, do not harbor hatred against your brother. Rebuke your neighbor directly and you will not excuse me, incur guilt against, uh, because of him. Do not take revenge or bear a grudge against members of your community but love your neighbor as yourself. Now this passage in Leviticus 19 begins with the, this, the phrase, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. And so all that follows in that chapter were commands based upon God's desire for Israel to be, reflect his holiness, to be like him. Now the word holy means to be set apart from the world, to be different. And so all we're to do as believers we do because we serve a holy God. And because God is love, we're to serve others with love, with his love. How do we serve our neighbor uh, as ourselves? Well, the, the Pharisees would have answered, avoid sin. Avoid sinners. How do you serve, love the Lord your God uh, and your neighbors yourself? Avoid sinners. Is that sin? I mean, excuse me, is that, is that love? No, it's really not. Uh, the Pharisees really had no love for God and they didn't have love for people. They just wanted to look good. Genuine love for our neighbors should be the same kind of love as we have for God. In fact, Jesus said our love for others is measured by our love for ourselves. Jesus wasn't commanding us to love ourselves. He assumed we already did. And Paul wrote that. He said, no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. Cherishes it. And so John wrote in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Boy, that's pretty strong words, aren't they? And then Paul writes, do not owe anything to anyone but to love him. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, 
You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, all summed up by this, you shall love your neighbors yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. So Jesus told the man, okay, you've got the right answer. Now go do it. And that's when he challenged him. He says, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told the story. And we know the story of the Good Samaritan. A man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho fell among thieves. He was left by the side of the road as dead. And two religious guys came by, a priest and a Levite. And they went around on the other side of the road. But the only one that stopped was the Samaritan, and they were the ones that, that were hated. And, and the religious, religious leader wouldn't even say Samaritan. He just said, who showed mercy, or who was the one that was the neighbor, the one who showed mercy? And so Jesus said, go and do the same. That's the way we're to love our, our neighbor, is to show mercy. Um, in Matthew chapter 25, we read about the sheep and the goats, the separation of the sheep and goats. And it's an interesting parable in that it says, um, those that are Christ are the ones that show mercy. Here's what it says. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. This is in the millennial, or the, the judgment, I believe, after the millennial kingdom. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. Put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. The king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. Excuse me, I was, took care of me, and I was in prison, and you visited me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and naked and in prison? And, and Jesus said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. Jesus was not saying, this is how you get into heaven. He was saying, because you are mine, this is the way you live. And that's what, what Jesus was saying here in the, in the, the, the parable. In, in, in to love one another as, as he's loved us. If we love others, it's a reflection of our love for Christ. And then notice he said, uh, he'll say to those on the left... Depart from me, you who are cursed in the eternal life, excuse me, eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And then he says, I was hungry, you didn't give me anything. I was thirsty, you didn't give me anything. I was naked, you didn't clothe me. I was sick, you didn't take care of me. I was naked, I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And they will say, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and naked and sick and in prison? And Jesus said, when you didn't do it to the least of these, you didn't do it to me. Again, Jesus was not saying that we, people are sent to hell because they didn't do these works. What he is saying is that those who love the Lord will serve others. So Jesus said, this is the Old Testament. This is the law and the prophets. Love God, love people. Got it? It's pretty simple, right? No exceptions. John again writes, I, I love 1 John. He talks so much about love. This is how we come to know love. He laid down his life for us. That's true. Jesus gave his life for us on the cross. That's love. Then John continues, we should also lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, but closes his eyes to his need, how can God's love reside in him? Little children, we must not love with word or speech, but truth and action, but with truth and action. So how does this relate to us? Loving others is meeting needs. Is not ignoring the needs of those around you. 
So Jesus said, this is who, who, who my people are, the ones that love me with all they are and love others by serving them. And then there's one other thing. We need to look to Jesus as our example. Who did Jesus hang out with? Well, besides the 12, the accusation was that he hung out with sinners, tax collectors and sinners. That's who the accusation was. He hung out with the people that weren't the religious folk, the folks that had needs. How did he treat people? With love and respect. Unless they were a hypocrite, and then he called out their hypocrisy. But how did he love? Unconditionally. Oh, I am so thankful. I'm so thankful that he didn't say, well, Keith, I remember that day that you did such and such. He just loved me. Oh, he might have convicted me of my sin and repent of it and turn away from it and stop doing it, but he still loved me unconditionally. So how do we respond? How do people respond to Jesus? They loved him. They loved being with him. Crowds followed him. My prayer is that I can love the Lord with all that I am. That's what I want to do, to love him to really love him. And that means that I'll follow him. Why did Jesus say this is all the Old Testament and the prophets? If we love God, we're going to obey everything that he said. And we're going to do it out of love. Now, I loved my mom and daddy growing up. But I can tell you sometimes it was because of that belt that I obeyed. You know what I'm talking about? You know, the Board of Education applied to the seat of learning. We love God not because we fear the consequences. We love God because he loved us. We love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and when we do that, we're going we're gonna to do His will. Are we going to mess up sometimes? Yeah. And we're going to be repentant. And we're going to turn away from it and continue following. We're going to love the Lord. And then, because we love God, we're going to love others. We're going to love people. And we're going to meet their needs. The greatest need they have is Jesus. And so sometimes that means we tell them about Jesus question we need to ask ourselves, are we known for a love for the Lord that affects the way we live? Or can others look at you and see that you love Jesus? Are you known for loving people because you go out of the way to serve others? Ask the Lord to help you to love as he loves. Let's pray. Father, help us to surrender our lives to you. Help us, Lord, to, to catch a glimpse of how much you love us and love you back. Love you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength with all that we are, with our emotions, with our ability to serve you, with all that we are, help us to love you. And Father, if there are things in our lives that keep us from loving you, convict us of those things that we might surrender our all to Christ. And Father, help us to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And Jesus said that means that we serve. Give us a heart of service. Help us to look at people and see, Father, that not only do you love them, but we need to love them and love them unconditionally and serve people in need. Help us to do that, Father. And may we surrender our lives to you totally. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, thank you.